baby! Spud here. I've met a lot of people, and I've played some, too. And there's one thing I know. People like to talk. <laughs> it's the Spudcast. That's where you at. Hey, where you at, baby? How y'all making? Thanks for joining me this evening here on the Spudcast podcast while I'm talking out my ass with Preston Robinson, who is from secondlookalliance.org. And what they're doing is they're taking a look at the incarceration rate here in the state of Louisiana, which is the highest in the world. Can you believe it? It's true, though. This, this state spends $800 billion a year incarcerating people. So if you wonder why your roads ain't never getting fixed, all the money's going for cheese grits over in the prison. So we're going to talk to Preston about how we're going to fix this problem right after this. But here, do your breakers keep breaking? Do you see a spark when you plug in your hair dryer? If you do, I want you to remember one thing. 947-3392. That's Eugene Lawrence's number at E1 Electric. Let's face it, you don't know nothing about electricity, but Eugene does. A licensed and insured electrical contractor, over 25 years experience, him and his crew can do anything for you, from hanging a ceiling fan to rewiring an apartment complex. So before you hear this, you better hear this. Thanks for calling E1 Electric. How can we help you? E1 Electric, 504-947-3392. Spun here. On Friday, two friends told me they had COVID. Monday evening, I started feeling punky. Tuesday morning at 6.30, I was at Rapid Urgent Care getting tested, and by 7 o'clock, I was quarantined. Don't fool around. If you have any symptoms, let the professionals at Rapid Urgent Care diagnose your condition. They've got you covered with eight clinics from Baton Rouge to Bogalusa, from Metairie to Mandeville. You can even visit a doctor online. Mask up and get yourself and your loved ones tested at Rapid Urgent Care. Go to rapidurgentcare.com to find the clinic nearest you. Ready to wave bye-bye to this rotten year? Then get the greatest holiday gift of 2020, the iWave air purifier from Serentine Comfort Systems. This proven ion technology kills molds, allergens, bacteria, even viruses, including COVID-19. Serentine can install the iWave right in your existing AC unit. No UV bulbs, no filters, no maintenance, and all for about 25 bucks a month. Call your iWave dealer, Serentine Comfort Systems, at 504-833-8831. 504-833-8831. Okay, so we're talking to Preston Robinson, and he is with SecondLookAlliance.org, which is an organization that is looking at uh, people incarcerated who have been there for a long time and whether their chances are getting out. What I mean, uh, Preston, first off, hi, how you doing? Thanks for joining me here on a spot. Well, thank you for having me. I, I saw I saw a news story about your uh, about the 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 polls that you have out that a majority of the people in the state of Louisiana are in favor of giving uh, people a second chance. I don't know. I don't know if they're interested in giving them so much a second chance is that they don't want to feed them forever because the price of incarcerating somebody is going up and the number of people ain't going down. So, well, there's a, I mean, that's certainly going to be part of it. Uh, the, the corrections budget is the third biggest item in the state general fund, uh, just behind higher ed and, and healthcare. So definitely, you know, as, uh, as, this continues to draw resources away from the general fund that's going to make the money available for other causes so smaller how, smaller how much is it how much how much does the this state spend and 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 also how much does this state spend annually on incarceration and how much does each individual parish pay i mean is that all lumped into one lump sum or not so how much uh, I don't have the information down to the parish level, but the state as a whole is paying about over eight hundred million dollars a year for Whoa. corrections. Whoa, that's a lot of macaroni and cheese. 
it, it, it's a big number. 800 uh, million? How many, and how many people are incarcerated for, for, for state crimes? For, you know, not, how many people are incarcerated for at least 10 years? I uh, don't have a number on 10 years. I know the overall incarceration rate in Louisiana has dipped a little bit from its peak, but we're sitting, I think, at about 28,000 people today. Wow, that's a lot. And now they're not all in Angola. They're all over the place. No, they're they're in, in different state facilities. Some of them are held in parish jails. Yeah, because I just, I just uh, had a conversation with uh, Joe Lapinto, the sheriff here in Jefferson Parish, and talk about his jail. And uh, I, I was at a meeting. I'm, I'm getting Joe on the on the Spudcast. I'm going to talk about that and tax uh, collecting, too. But he was saying how the Jefferson Parish Jail w- does not house state prisoners. That, that jail is strictly for people going to court. And then once they are convicted, they are sent to another jail. They don't we don't. And he says, I got a thousand beds and that's it. And I keep the worst of the worst waiting on trial. And if I get a really bad guy, then I might have to let a semi bad guy go. But I'll let him explain that when I get him on the podcast. On, on the podcast here, but that's a twenty-eight thousand. That that's that is a that's a huge number. That really is. So how many people are in Mississippi? How many people are in Parchment? Uh, don't have that information. We're trying to focus what's go with what's going on in Louisiana. Well, what what, it, what How do we compare? How do we compare with other states around us uh, incarcerated? Because I mean. We all know the story. Louisiana is the number one incarceration place in the whole planet, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we briefly fell down to number two, and, and then we, we perked back up to number one again uh, with about 28,000. I oh. think our high was north of 36,000 uh, around 2014, I believe. Well, what about, like I said, all the, like, how do, I mean, do you have rough estimates on how many people Texas has or Mississippi or... Or, I don't have it in front of me, but I can tell you for one particular subset, people serving life without the possibility of parole. I mean, these are the going to be your most expensive people because as they age in your facilities, you're going to be responsible for their health care, too. Mm-hmm. You could have somebody who goes in at 18 years old, 16 years old, serves a life sentence. Life can be pretty long starting at that point. In Louisiana, we have over 5,000 people serving that sentence. We have more individuals, not percentage, more individuals serving life without the possibility of parole than do Texas, Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, and Tennessee combined. So uh, we got some pretty harsh laws over here. But you're talking about somebody in jail for a long time, and we're gonna we're paying for their medical. But if they've been in jail for 40 years and they need medical attention and they get out, guess what? We're still going to pay for it. It's just not through... It's just not going to be through uh, through the Department of Corrections. It's going to be through Medicare, Medicaid, or whatever other thing they get on. Well, not necessarily. You're making the assumption that none of those people will be able to, to hold down a job, that none of them will be eligible for any other benefits. You could have veterans in this group. You could have, you will have some people Medicare, some people Medicaid, but you will have people who go back to work and, and are on private insurance. But we know that when they're in this facility, that's it it's coming out of the taxpayers and we know that you know two years ago there was a single individual this was reported in the advocate uh the pharmaceutical care for a single individual in the department of corrections was over three million dollars for one year well what what was wrong with him (laughs) they didn't say what was wrong with him but clearly uh it was I'm reminded of a story that I read and spoke about on the radio 
of a guy in New York City, not, not New York City, New York State, who was in jail, life without parole, for a very heinous, couple of very heinous murders. And all of a sudden, he was in line and at a hospital waiting for a heart transplant. And, and the outrage came where we're going, they got people out here who've never committed a crime, who can't get on the list. Here's a guy who's given life without parole for his crimes, and he's on the list. And then they finally took him off, and he just said, yeah, you know what, take me off. What the heck? Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's natural life, life without parole. If it got a bum ticker, well, there you go. So if this guy, and I know if, his fam- if I knew who his family was, they would probably send me ugly letters. But I mean, if this guy is in, li- in prison for life without parole, why are we spending $3 million to keep him alive when he's going to die anyway? I mean, everybody dies. <laughs> that, that's been the track record so far. Yeah. Well, what we really are trying to do is to keep a conversation moving because Louisiana is such an outlier with its sentencing laws and, and with the, the high percentage of our population that ends up incarcerated. And the reason we want to do this is uh, it's our belief, the members of our organization, that criminal justice reform took some important steps in the last few years. Uh, you know, getting back to unanimous juries, that's going to be helpful. Yeah, I've always been in favor of that. I don't know why I don't know why Fast Eddie got convicted. They, he only had 11 members on his jury, and he ended up going to jail. Not, I don't want to talk positive or negative about his guilt, but the fact of the matter is, if you can't find 12 good men and true to try somebody, 11 ain't going to cut it. And yet, they did. So, Well, and we've had some, you know, some good first steps, but uh, uh, there's sort of a sense that any time we drove, approach some of the big drivers of incarceration, the the things that really create these big numbers and help mm-hmm. Louisiana be the, the planet's leader in incarceration that, uh, you know, politicians, legislators seem to shy away a little bit from, from taking on some of these more you know, tougher, more complicated issues. And we think that there's a pretty significant gap between where legislators believe the public is on these issues and where the public actually is on these issues. Well, yeah, but you, t- you did a poll to, mm-hmm. to reflect your numbers. The legislators are probably getting letters or, or a whole bunch of letters from very specific people. And they're adding like, OK, for every letter I get, that's a thousand people who feel the same way. I mean, you're trying to put this poll in front of them. But it's one thing for me to answer a poll practically anonymously and another thing for me to sit down and write a letter and put my name on it. So it's, it sounds to me like they're putting more credence behind the people who are pushing for these laws to remain on the books. Well, I'm sure they're getting, you know, they're getting contacts from both sides, but I think that there's always, you know, the fear when you're a legislator that when you start talking about uh, people who have had a crime of violence on their record and they exit, you know, the corrections facility, if that person commits another crime that you personally as a legislator, if you supported, uh, you know, the, the ability mm-hmm. of people to, to go in and, and apply for parole, but you will be blamed for that crime. Well, and I've worked with politicians. I know all of them are, are afraid of, of you know, their own Willie Horton moment. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's a lot of them that are coming up. As a matter of fact, you, you've got a new DA in, uh, in Orleans Parish who has vowed to like, he's vowed to do a lot of things except pay his taxes. 
I got to step away for a second. Preston Robinson, when we get back here, though, I want to find out more about you. Who are you? Okay. How did you get involved? And in, why are you involved in all this? What is your background that I should even have you on my program? Because we all know how what a, a wonderful way to approach the public my my podcast is. Anyway, <laughs> to uh, the Spudcast podcast with Preston Robinson, my guest, talking out my ask more right after this. Does the sound of thunder strike fear in your home? There's only one sure way to fix a flooding problem. Home Team Elevation. End the worry. Stop insurance rate hikes. Get your flooding problem fixed now with the Home Team Advantage. Experienced, hands-on, local owners. You want design choices? On the Home Team, you're the MVP. So don't wait. Elevate with Home Team Elevation because the flood stops here. Get your free quote at 3011222. or go to hometeamelevation.com. Hey, what you gonna do this weekend? You can't go dancing and go to the show because the Corona Cootie's back with a vengeance. Oh, I got an idea. Go fishing. Yeah, get yourself a licensed and insured guide on lasaltwater.com. They got a guide for everything and every place. Inshore fishing, offshore fishing, fly fishing, kayak fishing, bow fishing, you name it fishing. And at lasaltwater.com, there's pictures and videos galore from all the happy fishermen and women and kids. And Don't be the one that got away. Go to lasaltwater.com and book your charter today. Are you ready to launch? The American Space Alliance wants to accelerate and support space exploration for the benefit of all Americans, and not just for national pride. You know how many products are created by and for NASA that we use every day? Scratch-resistant lenses, dustbusters, LASIK eye surgery, solar cells, firefighting equipment, LEDs, insulin pumps, the list just keeps on growing, and it needs to keep on growing, because the next generation of space exploration has arrived, and the American Space Alliance and NASA want you to be involved. You can follow ASA on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Go to exploreasa.org to find out more. Okay, we're back on the uh, Spudcast podcast. I'm talking out my ask with Preston Robinson, who is from um, secondlookalliance.org, which is a website to go to and see see these uh, these numbers. Because uh, actually, when I looked at them, I went, I, damn, those are, they're, most of the people in this state are pretty much in favor of this kind of stuff. And yet they still keep electing the same people who pass the laws who put everybody in a pokey forever. But Preston, how how did you get involved? What is, what is your background? Are you a lawyer? What do you what do you do? No, uh, Spot, I've been involved in government and public policy for about 20 years now uh, mm-hmm. at the state level and, and at the federal level. Uh, I was with now Senator Kennedy for many years when he was Treasurer Kennedy, and I, I ran his 2016 campaign for the Senate and served as his chief of staff for a little while, and I've come back to Baton Rouge full time. Uh, I don't I blame you on involved. that one. I couldn't live in D.C. <laughs> Forget that noise. It's a it's a tough environment up there right now, but happy to be back in Baton Rouge and some people that uh, that I knew and, and respected wanted to start this organization and they asked me to meet with them and I did and, and we talked about sort of what the drivers of incarceration are and why why they aren't making the progress that they want to make and seeing laws changed. Um, so we decided to start this effort, this sort of public education campaign, believing that, in essence, we've gotten as far as we're going to go with legislators by sending lobbyists to them and having activists show up. Uh, they need to see that there is a will in their district and with their own constituents to tackle criminal justice reform. And so that's why we're here. We're trying to drive this sort of bottom-up conversation to, to create enough 
of a buzz around the issue that people of their own accord are going to their legislators saying, hey, explain to me why you support this or why you don't support this. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that's that's our effort. Well, that's a good effort. Uh, where do you guys, okay, when you sit down and talked about the drivers that drive incarceration, I'm, I'm a firm believer, you know, unless you're like a multiple offender or for a lot of different reasons, but for me, bars are for violent offenders. Um, I'm going to talk to Joe Lapinto here for too much longer. I was at a, a, a business luncheon a few days ago, and he was the speaker there. He mostly talked about tax collection, but he talked about his jail and the fact that he does not, Jefferson Parish does not incarcerate state prisoners. That jail that we have is strictly for people who are about to go to court or trial. And if they get, you know, elected or they get convicted or whatever, they're going to uh, wherever they're going to go. Um, but I mean, his, his deal is he has a rating system. He's, I think he said from zero to 19. And right now, most of the people in there are 13s or above. And if he gets somebody in there who's a 15 or a 16, then one of the 13s are going to, they're going to get overcrowded right out of the place and going like, well, what did he do? You know, why don't, I mean, y'all can't put a cot up someplace where you're going to flip a coin when you got two 13s and they both like attacked people with knives. Yeah. I don't, I, I, this is that this is why we need people like you because it's a very complicated issue but the bottom line for most people is they just want to be left alone and live in peace mm -hmm. you know if they pay an extra twenty dollars on my on my income tax to make sure this guy can't come wandering through my neighborhood in the middle of a summer evening then uh i'll give you the 20 bucks you know yeah and, and you know we in the polling one of the questions that we ask of people is whether uh, they believe that the criminal justice system and incarceration are should be used for punishment or to take a continuing threat off the streets. And overwhelmingly, people say that they believe it's to take a continuing threat off the streets. And what we're what we're looking at right now, there are a number of drivers of incarceration, but extreme sentencing in Louisiana. We have much longer sentences than our, our neighboring states do for crimes that are serious crimes. But uh, but still, for instance, this life without the possibility of parole for second degree murder. Louisiana is one of only two states with a mandatory life without parole uh, for a, a, a conviction of second degree murder. Um, we have more people serving life without parole for second degree murder in Louisiana than do Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee combined. It's a staggeringly large number. And a third of our roughly 30,000 inmates are incarcerated with a sentence of 50 years or more before being eligible for the possibility of parole. You know, when you start having sentences of this extreme length, uh, you simply have people going into a system that no one ever comes out of. And nope. as long as that maintains, as long as that order maintains, you're going to continue to grow. And that $800 million that comes out of the state general fund for corrections every year is going to continue to grow. Don't, don't the juries have the opportunity to decide? I know there's some people who are going to be going up for first degree murder here before too much longer. Uh, but don't the juries have a, uh, are able to decide everything from first degree all the way down to like involuntary manslaughter to acquittal, you know? So in other words, you, you got a whole lot of people convicted of second degree murder, life without parole, but the jury itself could have found him guilty of like a much more serious case of manslaughter, which would have put him in jail for 20 years, you know? I mean, 
you know, I, I don't have anything to add on individual case level like that. One of the things, though, you know, as we're talking about these drivers of incarceration, the excessive penalties is one of them. Uh, the lack of executive clemency, that means the governor pardoning people. Um, this governor has pardoned more individuals than did the last governor. However, uh, executive clemency is, has really, its use has disappeared in the last 30, 40 years uh, compared to what it was before. In the 70s, the sort of the standard was that after someone so had served 10 years, uh, they often were, you know, the rest of their sentence was vacated. And that's not been the case for a long time now. What is the recidivism uh, rate for somebody who's been in jail for 60 years, uh, 10, 10 years? Okay, let's say they've been given a 40-year sentence or life, life, but not necessarily without parole. They, or, and after 10 years, they get clemency. What's the recidivism rate on those? Spud, I can tell you that recidivism rates are, it's a little squishier than that. I don't have it broken down by a particular number of years that someone has served. But as, as an example for you here, there's an organization in Baton Rouge called the Louisiana Parole Project. And the Louisiana Parole Project helps people who have served long sentences, 20 plus years, uh, transition back into society to become taxpayers instead of people that taxpayers are paying for. Uh, these are people who've served long sentences and are no longer considered a threat. Um, the recidivism rate of the 125, 130 people who've come through there uh, for any crime, uh, not a repeat of uh, the initial crime they were incarcerated for, is less than 2%. Well, that's pretty good. And in 2014, there was a study done at LSU that found uh, that of people who had been incarcerated for first and second degree murder the, the law wasn't always mandatory life for second degree so there are people who who have come out from having served long sentences on those crimes before mm -hmm. uh, the recidivism rate was zero and that was in 2014 by lsu uh, but you know i i think it's safe to say that when you're dealing with some of these uh these major crimes that happen when someone is very young it's oftentimes it's not a pattern. It's not. It's not it's like an impulse. Simply has a criminal nature. Yeah. It's an impulse you know, killing or a crime of passion in the moment. You know, it's like if two if two things ten minutes before hadn't happened and this this crime wouldn't have happened. Not that you can predict things like that, but it, you know, if you look at the steps long enough, it's like a it's like a, a train wreck. You know, there mm -hmm. are a whole bunch of little things that led up to it, and if two or three of those little things hadn't happened, neither would this uh, tragedy. So. Yeah, and we have a lot of people who are serving sentences much longer than the life they had you know, outside of the prison system mm -hmm. before they committed the crime. You know, I, one of the interesting things in the polling was that there seems to be a lot more willingness among older demographics, among voters who are 50 years old or older, to, to say that people deserve a second chance and they believe that people are capable of redemption. And, you know, I, I'd hypothesize that in large part that is because when someone gets to 50 years old, they can look back 20 years and they know how long a time that is. And they know how much they've changed and how much everybody they've known over the last 20 years has changed. And then they put themselves in the position of an 18-year-old, a 20-year-old who does something terrible or makes a terrible mistake or just uses really bad judgment. And then 20 yeah. years, 30 yeah. years, 40 years go by, you know, it, at what point are we just punishing instead of taking a threat off the streets? 
Well, that's a good question. I couldn't answer it, but I, I do have to agree with you that I'm in my 60s now. And yeah, I remember what it was like 20 years ago. And I remember what it was like 40 years ago. And I know I've never done anything that I could have been arrested and convicted for, but I've done stupid things in my life. And, it, and you know, as you mature, you get better at it. And I can only imagine as somebody who committed a, a, a crime in, the, in their early 20s are now looking at 50 years old going, geez, I'm peace. I've wasted everything everything from one stupid moment you know well, so i know we have limited time i just want to say something quickly with the polling it was it was very interesting to us when these results came back in how uniform the the willingness to talk about criminal justice reform and looking at reviewing these old sentences people who have served 20 years who are over 50 years older older who have completed a rehabilitation program Overall, the numbers were in the 70s on people who said, yeah, we should, Louisiana should look into this. This is something that we should be doing, revisiting these old sentences to make sure they're still appropriate. And it wasn't just people on the left, which is what you, you might assume, but it's true of conservatives also, left, right, young, I old, know a lot black, of conservatives, white, rural. Yeah. A lot of conservatives that I know are in favor of doing this stuff for the very reason that you said it's $800 million a year to feed people and, and, mm -hmm. and keep people in jail. That's a lot of cake. That's a lot of potholes in the state of Louisiana that ain't never getting fixed. <laughs> and those are things that affect everybody. How can people, yeah, I am out of time. How can people, uh, okay, so the secondlookalliance.org is the website to go to. How can people find out even more beyond this? Well, we're going to have some additional public information, education campaign materials coming out soon they're welcome to go to the website and we'll, we will keep them informed as we move forward and on this website are there there's like questions or commentary that you can make that you can like call your state senator or state legislator and and uh, and ask these questions about that i mean you you know i don't want to sound like i don't want to sound like you're going copy and paste this because i've seen too much yeah. of that stuff you know but give me an answer like okay here's the deal this is what you should know and if it irks you Call your uh, call your 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 rep and uh, and find out where they stand on all this. And we haven't put that contact information up. That's sort of the second step that we're going to get to. First, we will want to go about the business of educating the public about where Louisiana is and how some of our laws and sentences and procedures compare to other states. And then once we've given them something to think about, then we'll we'll give some suggestions on how they might want to get involved if this is something that they care about and who they can contact about it if they wish yeah. to. But again, our our goal is to push the conversation uh, rather than asking people to you know support a particular piece of legislation. Right. I, I don't expect that we're going to have the answer, but somebody is going to be able to work toward it if everybody comes back to the table and tries to work together. One last question. I'm, I'm sure. already way over time. What kind of law enforcement or district attorneys or any kind of official organizations like that are behind you now? We haven't been working with them yet. We have been working more with civic organizations and good government organizations. Reset Louisiana, which is a joint venture of Cable, PAR, and the Committee of 100 is supporting us. Uh, we have the support from the American Conservative Union Foundation. There are others. But right now we're we're focused on building that sort of liberal and conservative business and you know philanthropic team to work together on on getting this issue pushed to the front burner. No, I can't argue with that. If you get that kind of across the board stuff, you're gonna have to get legislators to listen. All right, Preston, I'm way over time. I gotta step away. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to us. 
Preston Robinson from secondlookalliance.org. Thanks for it. We're going to wrap up the Spudcast right after this. Spud here. You know, the last couple of years, I got to be buddies with attorney Mike Brandner, the guy Gambit readers have voted the state's best lawyer two years running. Yeah, he, he's been on that super lawyers list longer than I can remember. But you don't make it number one on those lists because you have witty commercials. You make it because you treat your clients like they're number one. And that's what Mike Brander does. His clients are like his friends. He helps them through the tough times until he can get them a big check from the big insurance companies. So if you're in a wreck, get the big guy in your corner. Get Mike Brander, 345-1111. Do you know what it means to miss New Orleans? The next time you have to travel, take along a couple of pounds of Parish coffee and you won't be missing New Orleans for long. Brewed right here in the land of coffee lovers, Parish Coffee has the taste you're looking for. From dark roast to coffee and chicory to flavored coffees like Bananas Foster or Bourbon Pecan, French Vanilla or King Cake or you name it, Parish Coffee has a flavor just right for you. Look for the bright purple bag in the coffee aisle of your favorite market or order it online, have it sent right to your door. What a perfect gift for any coffee aficionado. Sip the soul of New Orleans in every cup of Parish Coffee. Okay, so Preston Robinson of SecondLookAlliance.org. Go on there if you want to find out more about people in prison. And should there be uh, life without parole? Or should there always be an opportunity for parole? Or who knows what? In the meantime, thanks for joining me here on the Spudcast Podcast, talking out my ask. You can find this podcast on Red Circle and Spotify and Google and Oh, Public Radio and Stitcher, and I'm on Twitter at Spud Got That, and you can find it on my Facebook pages, Spud's Friends and Fans, John McConnell, and The Big Teasy. If you would like the podcast emailed directly to you, or if you would like to be a sponsor of the podcast, I always room for sponsors, uh, contact me at thespudcastpodcast at gmail.com, thespudcastpodcast at gmail.com. Tomorrow on this podcast, I'm going to talk to Daniel Lolchek, who is a cellist with the LPO, and we'll talk about how music hath charms to soothe the savage breast. Yeah. But in the meantime, y'all watch out for the crazies. I'll see you tomorrow, but I'm a gone pecan.